You're listening to the Diverse Tech Founders Podcast, the show that brings you the one thing older than capital, people, just like you and me. And I'm your host, Abraham J. Williamson. Thank you for listening. Welcome, D-Tech Fund family. It's been a couple of weeks since we published a podcast episode, but the wait was worth it. We have an excellent show in store for you today with none other than Charlton Cunningham. And I actually met Charlton through Nate Jones from episode one, which you may recall. Uh, Charlton is not only an ecosystem builder in Atlanta, which he'll explain and we'll get to in the episode, but he's also the summer programs lead at HBCU VC, which is an organization you all should be familiar with, which is trying to grow the number of fund managers that come out of HBCUs. Charlton is going to talk about a lot of things, but more importantly, you're going to get an insight into how he would approach his investors in the future and how he approaches them now. We even try to get him to see what it would be like if he attended one of our app launch parties. Without further ado, here's our interview. All right. Okay, so we're good. So the first question uh, we have for you today is why don't you just describe kind of where you grew up, how you grew up? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was a military brat growing up. So I moved and lived all over. Um, I went to five different elementary schools, um, was born in Maryland, um, moved to Hawaii, (laughs) moved from Hawaii to um, Tennessee, moved from Tennessee to Kentucky, Kentucky back to Hawaii. um, And then Hawaii finally um, landed in Georgia. Um, when my dad got out of the military. So I've been in Georgia since 2000, so 20 years. Um, grew up um, just north of the city in Marietta. Um, went to school in Marietta um, for architecture, actually, um, and then ended up pivoting after I graduated um, and have been living in the city for about the past five years. And so, um, yeah, so been basically a military brat up until like middle school and then from middle school on just been in Atlanta. Um, yeah. For the, for the last couple of decades. So you've been in positions where you've had to connect people from different backgrounds, connect yourself to different backgrounds. And it sounds like architecture, you were doing that as well with the physical and built environment. So why don't you also maybe just describe sort of your, the tech background that you have? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point. Um, I used to, I hated moving around as a kid, but now that I have more perspective, I realize the skills I gained from being able to create and develop relationship, which is like a talent and skill that people are like, oh, I trust you really quickly. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, but yeah, that came from having to do that um, as a child, like make friends and like do that, you know, do it again over again in two years. Right. Um, and so um, my tech background. So, yeah. So you mentioned I building like community with physical space, right? That's kind of how I envisioned it. And right. And kind of what I do now is building community um, through um, building connections and, you know, programs and things like that. And so um, my kind of tech background, really, I have, I've um, kind of just come into it. Um, I've um, created my own kind of networking events and community events to help entrepreneurs and, and people with ideas. And so I, did that as a hobby at first and, um, you know, spent my own money to like put these events on and, um, kind of developed that over uh, the course of a couple years where, um, when there was an opportunity for me to jump into kind of the startup tech scene and do 
um, kind of that ecosystem building work um, and get paid to do it. Um, I had um, the skills and I had, the, you know, I was ready to kind of jump into that. And so um, my, my, my whole background kind of in the space is just, you know, just from trying things out and testing and things out and, um, you know, doing it on my own. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, it's all, every time I think about how I got here, it's just like, people are like, how did you get to where you are? And I'm just like, man, I was just doing stuff, man. You just, you just make your moves. And so, uh, yeah, man, that's my, my background really is just, you know, testing and iterating almost like a, you know, like a founder would, um, you, you, you're trying out an idea, you're testing it out. And we have the same process in architecture school. You, you would build a model, you would like, you know, what do you like about the model? What don't you like about it? And then you change it and you, over time. And so that's kind of been the story of my career. It's just like trying something out and what do I like about it? And what do I want to change about it? What are some new challenges I want? And then I keep moving. Some people may be familiar with HBCUs, uh, 31 under 31 list, but what is really HBCU VC and from where did this idea come from? Yeah, so HBCU VC, um, we're a nonprofit organization. We're about three years old. Um, our whole focus is to kind of change how capital is formed and distributed. And we're really focusing on creating a more um, racial and ethnic ethnically diverse um venture ecosystem um so everyone you know if you if you are familiar with dtech fund you probably know like the um the stats around um entrepreneurs of color trying to get funding women trying to get funding for their startup ideas um and it's terrible you know it's like less than one percent um and so we are really attacking that issue and not looking at it from a pipeline um, problem or perspective, but looking at um, the data. And the data shows that if you're a female investor or if you're an investor um, of color, that more than likely you're going <laughs> to invest in people that look like you. And so we are we are saying, okay, that's the that's the thesis. Let's create more investors um, of color. And um, looking at HBCUs. Um, as the place, you know, as like the Black Ivy, essentially, um, where great talent comes from. And, you know, we actually put out a report probably a year or two ago that showed um, the makeup of Black investors. And, you know, Morehouse was represented greatly. It was probably about 40% of Black investors come from an HBCU. And so um, that's, yeah, the, the talent is there. And so how can we um, bring awareness to it and, um, and create opportunities, uh, to create these fund managers of the future. And our, um, our founder, Hadia, um, she grew up in, um, a, a family of entrepreneurs. She grew up in Philadelphia. Um, her mom always had a hustle. Um, her uncle was, um, and, um, in tech. And so she went that route and she got us like a software, um, engineering degree, um, started her, a couple of her own startups, moved to the Bay area and, and was really noticing this lack of diversity. Um, and so that was kind of the, you know, the, the beginnings of HBCU VC and, um, it, it changed over time and she focused on kind of founders and startups, but then really honed in on kind of venture being, you know, a place to make an outsized impact. Um, on, on, on the ecosystem. Speaking of making that impact and where the dollars are coming from, it seems like the thesis is that if you can get more dollars 
uh, circulating and put into the ecosystem because not just because you uh, live in Atlanta doesn't mean your dollars are in the tech startup ecosystem, right? Uh, and when we were talking at first, uh, Charlton, you were telling uh, about a vision where you, you might have angel networks and syndicates across the HBCUs, etc. But uh, we may not be there right now. Tell us what is HBCUVC sort of technical solution and how are you getting closer to getting more HBCU dollars circulating in the ECVC ecosystem? Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at some large universities like Harvard or Stanford, um, like UC Berkeley, a lot of these um, universities have alumni funds um, where, you know, an entrepreneur, a student entrepreneur is working on something and their first check is to go like, let me talk to the alumni, the alumni um, venture group. And so um, we already have that village mentality in our community. And so it just makes sense to, you know, pair that with with venture dollars. And so um, the way that we're looking at it, we, you know, started off with a, a venture fellowship. We're working with students um, to expose them to venture capital um, um, get them um, understanding what does it look like to, you know, do due diligence on a startup, financial modeling, things like that. Um, our next, you know, the things that we're looking at in the future are who are these um, professionals from, you know, HBCUs that, you know, they might, you know, they might be five to 10 years into their career that have some extra dollars that they could, you know, pull together that they will be willing to invest in, um, a startup that's from their school or, you know, um, from their network. And so how can we educate, you know, angel, you know, people who might want to be angels and get and be a part of um, the tech scene? You know, technology is exciting because of, you know, everyone, you know, can be involved. You know, the Internet has made it so, you know, all you really need is a laptop and, a, you know, a, a Internet connection and you can build. Um, and so, yeah, so we're we're. So we started with the venture fellowship training students, but we are looking towards how can we train professionals who are interested in, in investing and what does that look like from an angel perspective, but also looking at, you know, um, you know, beyond that, if you're looking at raising a fund, what does that even look like and look, look like, and how can we support you in, in that endeavor? And so, um, yeah, so we definitely, it's definitely on the, on the horizon for us and, and we're excited about, you know, what, what that future can hold. So part of your mission is supporting uh, HBCU students and graduates who are raising money. Uh, so how do you prove to your stakeholders that there are such students, that these students exist, and that they're going to use your resources and all the things you spend your time working on? Like, how do you prove to stakeholders that this is the need in the marketplace? Yeah, so one thing that we, um, that we did this past year was we ran um, our first ever Venture Lab. Um, and so um, as a part of the fellowship, one, the first year, they're really like learning all the fundamentals. And the second year, they kind of act as their own um, venture group. And so the students um, hosted um, this venture lab where they solicited um, startups to talk, you know, to apply for uh, funding. And we gave out grants um, for, uh, for 1K. And so the students like managed the whole process. They reviewed all the applications uh, they came together as a group to advocate, like, this is a startup I really like that I want to invest in. And then after they selected them, they worked with um, the companies to figure out what are your needs? Maybe it's business strategy. Maybe it's customer acquisition. How can they help 
um, connect um, our network to um, those founders. But one story I will um, I want to talk about. Um, so one of uh, one of our fellows who graduated this year, she had a she had her online um, you know graduation, and she had the startup that she was working with, and he, um, he was talking about how much um, the one K like meant to him and like that impacted him, um, building his business and how like having her like walk through the process and select him to be, um, you know, to be the recipient, like just meant so much. And so that's like the impact, like that, that we love to see where the student has the opportunity to really impact a startup founder, um, to, to kind of help them with the growth of their business. And so, um, yeah, so that, that program we were really excited about kind of continuing to expand on, you know, increasing that grant to, you know, from 1K to 5K to 10K, hopefully. And so, um, but that's just one, one way where we can show like, yeah, there are entrepreneurs that, that really, you know, are getting the help they need. And then from the students, you know, like the students are the one leading the charge. And so they're getting that learning um, and that insight. And so it's, it's awesome to see. So you're able to invest in relationships and connections and just get people the technical talent. I know this is something that we've been uh, discussing and hope that we continue to is that sometimes startups, uh, they don't need just money. They need somebody who's been uh, at a bigger company, a big tech company in the sales uh, department, in the business development department, uh, who's worked on a product team for a major company and the like. Uh, But as you mentioned, sometimes that $5,000 can actually go quite a bit uh, uh, quite a long way. So what would you do if you had a million dollars in funding right now? Like, how would you sort of deploy that? Where would you put that in the ecosystem? How would you make more of a splash uh, uh, as you can? I would set aside 500K and do, um, I would probably give out 50,000 to 10 people. Okay. And then set aside 500,000 to do follow-on funding. Okay. And so I would look at um, how can I deploy 50K to people who are, you know, pre-seed, pre-revenue, who are, in need, you know, need that family and friends round that we can't really get. Um, and so I would look at who are, you know, 10 companies I can take a bet on. And then from that 10, who are like three companies that are promising that I can follow on with um, and then kind of look at it that way. Yeah, I think so many people like that. 25 to like 75k range like could do so much um and that's some of the hardest funding to get is that initial you know hey i got a great idea but i need just a little bit of capital to get it going and uh so so being able to help someone um in that you know area and that in that range would, would probably be awesome what are what are some of the things that you would be looking for in those companies what would get a company on your list and what would get them kicked off your list? I mean, 10 companies, there are a ton in Atlanta that are promising, let alone the rest of the country, let alone Silicon Valley in particular, uh, New York or Los Angeles, uh, or even here in, in Memphis. So what would you be looking for in these startups, man? You mentioned diligence. So that's probably, there's probably a diligence gap in terms of the knowledge base that people have and, 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 ways they could avoid a lot of heartache. So what would you be looking for in these 10 companies? You know, in that Atlanta is the center of culture. Um, I would be interested in companies who are, who understand black culture and who are helping the creators monetize. I think that's something I'm really interested in. Um, 
I will like scream up and down about how TikTok is only cool because black folks are creating like the dances and the songs that everybody's like. So like how to someone who's capitalizing on that, who understands that and is can capitalize on that, I think would be really interesting. I think fintech um, is something that's always going to be around. There's communities that are unbanked still. Um, I mean, even in Africa, um, fintech is huge. And so I think um, when you talk about how are people paying off loans and um, just there's so much fintech is just a huge space that there's always opportunity. So I think fintech would be another interesting um, uh, industry to look at. Um, and I think the last thing I would probably be interested in is um, either sports tech or uh, music tech. Um, there's a lot of athletes and uh, musicians and celebrities getting into investing. And um, when you talk about acquiring customers and, and you know, getting, um, getting the word out, um, being able to partner with those types of influencers, it just is a no brainer. And so um, those are probably the, the industries that I will focus on. And even like, if you look at who are the people funding businesses right now, there's a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, my dude I went to high school with is now in the, in the league. And so there's a lot of opportunities that are unique to our community that we need to think about how can we leverage. And, and so that's kind of what I would look at, look into. Love that. And the fact that you're doubling down on Atlanta, you're not going anywhere else. You would put that million back into the city. That's uh, awesome to hear, exactly, man. That's, exactly. that's special. So switching gears a little bit here, uh, if you were going to give some, you know, uh, some coaching advice, so to speak. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. So thank you for subscribing. And now back to the show. Yeah, What's the most profitable piece of advice that you've received since you sort of first got into the tech startup ecosystem? Oh, that's good. Um, I think the best piece of advice I've gotten is always add value first. Um, you, you already mentioned that relationships are everything, right? Just the whole, you know, VC and, and startup world is about relationships, who you know, you know, making sure you're keeping up with folks. And uh, But for me, always looking to add value first um, and just, you, you know, even before you make an ask, what do you, you know, I always ask people, what can I do for you? Um, you know, what's your biggest challenge and how can I help? And so that's always served me well. And so I've always been a person who's been very strategic about how can I add value through my writings or even if, you know, sharing a competition or sharing, you know, um, this or that person, um, what this VC firm is looking at, looking at, or trying to help someone in their, um, who's raising capital. I'm always looking at how can I add value first, um, in the back end, knowing that at some point that I'm going to have an ask and, um, because I put all that, that goodwill and, um, I like how Gary Vee says that right hook or the, the jab. You put those jabs in and you, and you set yourself up for a right hook. But, um, yeah, I've always found that, you know, even I've started to put out more content and I've gotten so many people just reach out to me randomly. I've gotten VCs reach out and ask if they want to hop on the phone. And I'm just like, what do you oh, – I mean, sure. And it's because I'm putting things out there. I'm adding – giving something to people to react to. I think something that from moving from college and getting into the professional world is that you're – you're so used to consuming. You're used to just people are giving you things. You might, you know, you, you might be doing a fellowship or you get all these opportunities to consume. But when you switch gears and you start to think, 
what can I put out there for people to react to, then that's really the key because that's how people know who you are or can read about, oh, this is what he's interested in. And so now if I have something that aligns with their interests, if you don't, you know, if people don't know what you're, what you're interested in or, you know, where you want to go in your career, like, then like, they're not going to reach out and, and there's no conversation to be had. But when you start to put that stuff out there and then, then people really know what you're about and they can, they can come and say, oh, I got something that I think you might be interested in because of the things that you put out, you know? And so, yeah, I always say add value, um, put some content out there, but yeah, always, always ask people when you meet them, like what's their biggest challenge and, and how can you help? Got it. That's, that's really good, man. Adding value is, it's an important thing, man. Some people think that you should go around asking people, yo, how can I help you? But as you mentioned, you need to be able to tell people, hey, this is where I add value in your life. And in many ways, artists do that, right? They say, look, this is what I have, right? Like they don't go to the marketplace looking for problems. They're just producing. So which artist uh, kind of most inspires the work that you do? I really love Cole, J. Cole, and how he's put put everyone on. I like, I mean, I, I, I grew up with him with his mixtapes, Dollar in a Dream. Um, sure. And just seeing how he's um, created, one, how he stayed true to his city. Um, Fayetteville, North Carolina, and how he's put Fayetteville on the map. Um, that's been amazing to see. Um, but also just how he's, you know, investing in the next generation. Um, he's, you know, signed a bunch of people from Atlanta. And so um, I love that because it, it it makes me remember, like, how who am I pulling up behind me? And whenever I have run into a problem and solve it, I'm it's my responsibility to make sure nobody falls into that same problem and that I, you know, to the best of my ability and pulling up people and letting them know, like, don't do that. Like, cause I spent, you know, eight months trying to do that and that didn't work. And so, um, yeah. And so like, I think being intentional about who are those people behind you that you're, that you're pouring into, um, I have those people that do that for me. And so, yeah, so that inspires me to do it and, and, and to think about it from a local perspective. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, that's, that's one person that, that always inspires me and, you know, and the creativity of what he does. And, um, yeah. And, and then, you know, doing it, doing it on his own, just, you know, hustling by himself, making it, you know, platinum, no features, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so I I'll definitely say Cole. hundred percent. I love Dreamville as well. Uh, and you mentioned this several times. I mean, anybody listening to this is going to know you know, which city you put on uh, hard for. How does spending so much time in Cobb County in your formative years, uh, how is that helping you in the local startup ecosystem in Atlanta? And then how did moving around a lot when you were much, much younger, how does that help you as you move to this space now, man? Because people are coming to Atlanta uh, from all over the place, man. They get in the ecosystem. How are you able to rise, you know, to the top of the cup? Yeah, yeah. So moving to to Cobb County was a culture shock. Um, I went from, so in the military, you're, it's the, it's probably the most diverse, you know, place you can be because you have all different types of people who joined the military. My dad was in the army. So, you know, I, I grew up with an upbringing where I was just around all different types of people. And then I moved to Georgia and I moved to Cobb County specifically. And I was just like the only black kid in my class. And I was just like, my aunt lived here and I was just, and she lived south. She lived in like Jonesboro. And so I was like, but I thought about, you know, Freaknik and I was just like, but now where I'm at is just all, so it was a culture shock for, for me. But what was interesting 
is my parents chose um, that uh, area because they had the number one school in the state, right? And it was interesting to hear how the teachers would talk about education and the expectation um, for the students. Like, I remember, I remember vividly um, high school taking the SAT. And I remember taking the SAT at my school, and then I signed up late and had to take it in, like, um, a city of Atlanta school. And in our school, it was just, like, you 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 have to do 1,200 or better, like, off-rip. Like, that's not even, like, a, a question. In the city of Atlanta school, they were, like, a 1,000 or better. And I just saw, like, other the expectation is different. Um, and I saw that the opportunities were different. And so, um, for me, it all thought about, all right, like, how can I – bring more opportunities to people that don't even know, aren't even aware of what's out there. And so that helped me um, as I got into tech to be, to be more aware about how can I bring opportunities and opportunities sometimes is just awareness. Like, Hey, this, there's this thing called technology and startups and like, you know, the side hustle you're doing. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> think of that as a business, as something that could grow and scale. And so it always made me think about how we're, um, how we're talking about, how, what is the, what are the expectations we're putting on people? And two, like, how can I continue to bring awareness and opportunity to, to folks? And so that definitely um, shapes kind of how I view the world. And and then back to yeah, the, the military experience. It's just um, learning how to how to connect with with folks very quickly. Um, I would also say my my mom was a social worker, and so she taught me how to. I always used to ask her like how like about her. Her job and she would basically guide people by asking them questions and so someone would say hey i have this problem and she would say okay well how did that make you feel okay well what what you know what have you done before in this situation and how did that turn out for you and what would you do differently and so she would basically walk people through a path to like answer their own questions and so i used i love doing that for people with businesses or you know um people who are just pursuing their passions, I love to ask questions. And, and so I'll, I'll turn back around to someone and say, you know, what are you passionate about? And then I'll say, why aren't you doing that? And like, what is holding you back from that? And like, let, well, let's do it. Like, how can I help you pursue what you actually want to do? And so um, I think that helps me connect with people because I'm like, I don't want like, let's, let's talk about what you're passionate about. Like, what do you want to build and work on for, you know, the rest of your life? And um, yeah. And so that always like, that always gets me excited because I love um, helping people um, succeed and, and get to where they're going. And, and so this space allows me to do that, um, you know, from a working with founder standpoint to now working at um, getting people to be the future, um, the fund managers, the, the capital allocators um, that I'm just that gets me you know, passionate every day to like wake up and and do what I need to do. And so, yeah. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting riled up right now. Just, just talking about it. Love that, man. And, and you're in the perfect city for you, man. Like Atlanta is popping. If you haven't read Charlton's article on the Atlanta ecosystem on medium, cop that, read it. It's fantastic. Given that we have the expert himself kind of in front of us, if Atlanta's local startup ecosystem could sort of only keep one, feature one component that makes it unique what would that be if you had to leave everything uh, else it could only keep one what would it be so i think we have the best there's a lot of things i mean that make up this ecosystem i think we have the best mix of university talent right you have the auc with morehouse spellman clark atlanta 
You have Georgia Tech um, that graduates one of the highest rates of black engineers. You have Georgia State, which graduates the most black males in the nation. So we have this robust, diverse talent. All those universities that I just mentioned are within miles of each other. And so we have everything we need from a kind of a talent perspective to create the next great, um, great startups and not have to worry about, you know, um, you know, the diversity issues that San Francisco has because all it's, all the talent is here. And, um, we represent, um, a diverse, um, a diverse city. And so I would say the university talent is, is second to none. Um, and so if we, if we don't lose anything, uh, if we can keep that talent, I think, I think we're good, good to go. Solid, uh, for you switching back and narrowing, uh, in on Mr. Cunningham, uh, name a pivot that you think saved your career. A moment in time where you think you had a pivotal moment, a fork in the road, so to speak, and you went left and it made all the difference. So, yeah, I, w- I would just have to go back to my uh, my initial pivot. Like growing up, the only thing I ever wanted to do was to become an architect. Like that's all like from a child. I used to draw like floor plans like for fun. Right. And so. Probably around my junior, senior year, I realized that this wasn't what I enjoyed. Like, this is one I I didn't want to make a career out of it, right? And I really liked coming up with ideas and helping people, you know, with their ideas. I didn't know what that would come of that. I didn't know what I could do with it. But I knew I wanted to be in that innovation, innovative space. And so I pivoted. I Like, I tried to get an architecture job during the recession when I, when I graduated, but I couldn't. And so I was just like, I just pursued a path where I was like, okay, I made a pivot to, I want to do work that I enjoy doing and not doing a job just for money. And, and it's been hard, you know, sometimes, but I can always show up and be passionate about the work that I'm doing. And so ever since I've made that decision, now I don't, I don't, I won't do a, a, a job or I won't take a role unless I'm passionate about it unless I can I can get up every day and I'm excited about it and and so yeah so it has a cha- it has its challenges um, but for me I'm going to spend the bulk of my time doing something I love doing and um, as soon as I made up my mind on that you know that's made the world of the difference um, from the in in the ups and the downs uh, that is kind of um, my north star and 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 so that's kind of my my God in light and it's it's you know it served me. Um, in this past, you know, decade. So I'm going to continue doing it. It's awesome. You sort of took the blue pill uh, and shifting from, you know, trying to focus on the physical environment in, in this world that we can see and touch and entered wholeheartedly into the digital realm and, and tech startup world and, and kind of embrace what's in front of us. So I think that's a great and a powerful pivot. Hopefully other people will be inspired by that. Uh, but nonetheless, there are probably things that you can take from your background, from your successes early on uh, in college to this day. Which communities have been the most helpful in growing your brands and your visions? Yeah, so I would say um, there's the Atlanta Black Tech community. So um, Joey Womack um, and Marcella Haynes created this, um, this network of everyone who is black and interested in tech. Um, and started bringing everybody together. We would fill a room with 400 people who are interested in tech in Atlanta. Um, and so that has been an amazing um, community to be a part of. 
Um, I sit on their um, startup council or startup committee for that. Um, another one I would say is um, build, an, build an SE, which takes a regional approach and looking at how can we connect the southeast cities and, you know, from Nashville to Birmingham to Memphis, um, all the way down Tampa, Miami, like that's a part of the south. And so um, that's been a great network um, to connect and, you know, help elevate my brand. And then um, I would say that the last one is there's I'm a part of a network called Startup Champions, mm-hmm. um, which is ecosystem builders from all across the nation. Um, and so for me, I, you know, I'm, I just started using that, that term probably like three years ago. And so understanding what does it mean to be a community builder specific to the startup space and ecosystem builder and all of the connections and, you know, relationships that we build, um, learning from people who have been doing it for a while and, and different, um, context has been very helpful. And so now, you know, when I have challenges, I can, um, call up someone and say, you know, have you done X, Y, Z? Have you raised this fund or have you worked with this accelerator or anything like that? There's, there's a group of people who, um, who are willing to help and, and, and help me form like, what is, you know, what is my career path look like? What does my trajectory look like? And so I would say those three, um, those three communities have been the, the most helpful. Very nice. And we're hoping to be a part of that. Uh, how do you think DTEC.fund can help your community? Yeah, I would say for me, I always, whenever, when anyone asks me what can they do to help me, it's always about, I want to learn about who are the people doing cool work. I want to I gain new relationships. And you've already done this, right? You already connected me to someone. Um, and so it's all, for me, it's all about relationship building. The more, um, the more um, different nodes that I can connect to, I, I, you know, I, I always like to go back to the telephone. The telephone originally is more useful when more people have telephones, right? So <laughs> the more connections I have, the more useful that I am because I have more people to connect to um, the people that I want to help. And so, yeah, so I think DTEC Fund could be um, integral in under- one, understanding the New York ecosystem, but also um, building out those connections. And so um, vice versa, that I can, um, you know, connect and, and bring value to you and, and you can connect and bring value to me. Likewise, man. Love that. Uh, so do you want to run a billion dollar company? Why or why not? And I suppose if you're an investor, it could be investing in one. Make that distinction if it's important. But would you want to run a billion dollar company? Uh, so I wouldn't I would not want to run a billion dollar company. Um, I know I knew, I knew this about myself early on. I'm a very zero to one person. So I love like starting things up. I'm not a one to 100. I don't like to I'm not into, interested in scaling things. Um, but, um, I had a mentor tell me a long time ago that he was just like, you know, if you, if you work with a lot of people with ideas and you can do this in investing, um, you can be a part of a lot of different successes and you can, you you can feel like when a company goes up, like, and you don't have to be a part of it. Like you, you can, you can help them, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, um, you know, be in the day in day out. And so. I love working on a lot of different ideas and like having my hands in a lot of different things. And so I would love to, to, to invest um, in a billion dollar company, but I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to grow one because I think my focus is just like all over. So um, yeah. So for me, yeah, I would, I would definitely, I definitely want to um, be more on the investing and the support side uh, of those types of companies. 
understood and can definitely relate to that. As you know, we before uh, COVID-19, we were on a run hosting app lunch parties about once a month for diverse tech founders, not just in New York City, but around the country. I mean, we had uh, Freeman Capital from Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and we were teeing up to have some more like just my cities uh, coming up. But regardless of the founders that we launch at our app launch parties in New York City or otherwise, what is a question that you would want to ask a founder at our app launch party? Like, what's a question when you come into it that regardless of what their business model is, you would want to walk out knowing? Um, I think it's always important to understand how big the how big the market is. So how big is the market that they're um, they're going after? And what part of that total addressable market are they trying to capture? Um, is there a niche in the market? Like, so the market might be a hundred million, or you know, a hundred million or one billion, and they're really focused on like a sliver of it. That lets me know like they're really focused on that that niche audience, and that they understand like um, you know what they're trying to capture. I think. Um, I think that's is very important. Like, how big is the market? How, how much of it do you think you can can you capture? And so, I would, that would be my my question. I would always ask. That's good, and I found that that's a very VC question. And and what's interesting about our app launch parties is that they'll ask about the total addressable market. But what's wonderful is that they're typically asking a question that increases it. Like they'll talk about how to uh, scale abroad to Africa if they're trying to address an African-American market, for example, or, or to Europe if they're trying to address certain other markets as well. So I think that's a very apt uh, and, and, and very, uh, you know, expert-based question. So the last thing, I don't know if it feels like we've come to sort of the end of the road here, Charlton, but I have one more question for you. Uh, and then you can kind of get into how people can get it, keep in touch with you and reach out and all that good stuff. But before we get into that, what's the most valuable thing that HBCU VC does uh, for its community and what role you play in that? Yeah, so the most valuable thing that we do, um, we connect um, our fellows to our greater network. So um, Hadia has built up a amazing network being a part of, she's been in the startup scene and specifically in the Bay area, um, before it was cool to, to have black focus organizations. Right. Um, and so what we do best is, um, connect our, our fellows and our students to actual, you know, investors, to actual people in the scene. So, you know, the first time that she, um, launched the, the fellowship program, you know, one of the, one of the fellows was, their, their mentor was Marla Nichols from Mac Venture Capital, right? Um, some people's mentors are Low Tony from, from Plexo Capital. So these are like actual people that are um, doing great work. Um, and in the second year of the fellowship, um, Arlen Hamilton's like surprised everyone and, and showed up. And so we are able to connect um, the fellows to um, these um, these. Um, seasoned veteran um, investors, professionals at an early age so that as they continue, as they build through their career, um, they have that touch point. And so that at some point when they might be ready to, to raise their own fund, they can call on those people that they've known 
and got connected to through our network. And so I get to play a, a role in that through bringing my, my network to HBCUVC and um, all the all the people that I know in Atlanta and throughout the Southeast. Um, I can add to that uh, to create to make it a bigger network. Um, and then I get to take our uh, mission um, and the impact that we do and begin to build new relationships um, that will, at the end of the day, serve um, the students and the fellows that, that we work with. And so, um, yeah, and so, yeah, the biggest thing, you know, it's all about it's all about network and it's all about up, uplifting one another. And so, um, yeah, so that's the best thing that we do. And, and it's exciting work and, and I love to do it. Fantastic, man. I, I feel the energy from you and I can tell why you're like gravity, man. People just are drawn to you and you're able to produce more when they get 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 in touch with you. So how can people keep up with you now? Like what are you up to and kind of where should people go to get connected to you? What do you respond to? What are you working on now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um I'm on Twitter, Charlton underscore eighty seven. Um you can find me on um uh medium. Um so just type in my name, Charlton Cunningham. I try to try to be current with <laughs> with my blogs. I'm usually writing about culture, technology, um, and startups. Um, I have a podcast, the Keystone Podcast, um, where I interview ecosystem builders and VCs um, from across the the world uh, with my co-host Yuval Yarden. Um, and I also, I I just started a newsletter called Ventured South, where we, me and and my partner Holly Balin, um, look at. The, the VC ecosystem across the Southeast. And so, um, yeah, I'm in a lot of, I'm a lot of different places, but I'm also happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Uh, so yeah, so f- feel free to reach out to me there. Brilliant, Charlton. Just one last thing. Uh, we're, we're just a huge fan of finding early stage startups even before they really get going well. Like we understand that you work with with folks who are raising money and have had success, but who's somebody who's kind of flying under the radar right now who might benefit from getting in touch with with our network? One of the companies that I I know the founders and um, I love the work that they're doing is Coins. Um, they have a Roundup app that applies towards your debt. And so they're looking at bringing down the student debt. Um, and so, yeah, so you just attach your cards to it. And, and they're um, an interesting company because they are starting to look at um, how can they make partnerships with um, like healthcare, um, you know, people with health debt. And so they're, they're starting to make the kind of the B2B play from moving from B to B to C. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm thinking that they're definitely um, taking the steps to, uh, to blow up. And so um, that's, yeah, that's one company that I would say everyone check out. That's awesome. So they haven't had any rounds or anything like that. They're just kind of starting out. They've had one round um, that was mainly through like an angel syndicate. Okay. Um, okay. But majority of what they've done is done pitch competitions. And, uh, and so, yeah. And so I would say, keep, keep your eyes on them. Um, cause, cause I think they're going to, I always joke around. I say, you guys are going to be my first friends to hit a million. So <laughs> That would be amazing. That would be good. Well, we would love to have them on, but we've certainly enjoyed our time with you, Charlton. I mean, the fact that HBCU VC even exists and that they're able to, to get talent like you says a lot about what the potentialities are in the future. And I hope when we come back 10 years from now, both of us can talk about the startups that we invested in that hit it big, but more importantly about the people that we helped do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. You bringing me on. I love the convo and yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep chopping it up and 
uh, we'll connect after all this is over, man. Most definitely. Go check out the podcast, Keystone. It's an amazing, amazing show where you'll get to learn even more from Carlton and others. So appreciate this time and we'll talk to you later, man. Thanks for joining this week on Diverse Tech Founders with Abraham J. Williamson. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. You can do it right now. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Thanks again.